God, the Assemblies of God is not particularly big in this country. He mentioned 500. We're nearer, nearer to 600 churches in this country. But throughout the globe, we're the sixth largest Christian denomination. And uh, every, if this doesn't cause you, now where's AD? I, I don't know AD very well, but last week, I, no, you can sit down, sir. It's okay. I, I tell you, you're from Ghana, are you? Last week, I was preaching at a Ghanaian church in London. I want to tell you something. The Ghanaians know how to rejoice. The Ghanaians know how to get excited when you say something good. I only had to get up and say, Jesus Christ is Lord. And everybody went, AD, tell them, tell them. Hallelujah, glory to God. Yeah, it's going to be excited. AD, come on. That's better. AD, come on, sit down here. I don't want you back there. I don't know you. Come on, I want you on the front row. Come on, sit on the front row, AD. Come on. I want you to give us a bit of a lead here. Come on, AD. Sit here, here, here. I want you right... Here, right there. No, 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 no. I want you. Now listen, AD. I was in a Ghanaian church, right? And they really, they really know how to praise the Lord. You see, some, some, some of these, some of these people here, they're a bit, bit reserved. If they don't dance, you're going to jump on the platform. Well, we'll practice it again, AD, and see. We'll see if we can get everybody here kind of happy that they're in God's house. You see, the Bible says, in his presence, there is fullness of joy. And so, if somebody starts preaching about Jesus and says that he's the King of kings and the Lord of lords, what do you start saying? You're hallelujah, glory to God. Pretend you're Ghanaian, Jesus Christ is Lord. He's a wonderful saviour. He heals the sick. He causes the lame to walk, the blind eyes to open. He's the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the bride Oh, hallelujah. How are they doing, Hadi? Not me. How are these doing? Oh, they need to come up a bit more. Yeah, they do. Dear me. So we'll see how we get on during the message. Wonderful, wonderful. Listen, this should cause you to rejoice. Are you ready to hear this statistic? You see, one of the greatest things that can ever happen to anybody is to have what we call a relationship with God by being born again or getting saved or becoming a real Christian. How many of you know that? Listen, this is a statistic regarding the assemblies of God. I found this amazing. That every 10 seconds somewhere in the world, in an Assemblies of God church, people give their lives to the Lord. What do you think about that? I think that's good news. And if that doesn't cause you to rejoice, I don't know what will. I just think that's absolutely great. It is marvelous to be here. I said this morning that if uh, those of you that don't, if you've got a little computer or a phone or something like that, follow me on Twitter. Not because I want lots of people following me, but because it just helps to know that there's people that know where I am so they can pray. Did you know that today uh, there's thousands of people that are praying for Ilkeston and for Mansfield because that's what I've said that I'll be preaching over this weekend. And you can join that army of people by just uh, going and following, uh, is it John Parton on Twitter or something? I don't know. At John Parton. I don't even know what it is myself, but you, you, that, you that are technical will know how to do it. It's very easy. And then, of course, you can find out what's happening in the Assemblies of God. I have said to Phil that he's got to get that photograph of the cake and do a little report, and it'll go into our e-news. It's a free newsletter that goes out every week. 
And it's just you sign up, you go to the Assemblies of God uh, webpage, across the top, you click on it, you put your email address in, and you get to know what's happening because Christian is right. We don't know how to celebrate the wins and the good things. That, I want to say good things are happening, not just all over the globe, they're happening in this nation. And I'll tell you even nearer to home, good things are happening in Mansfield. And other people need to know about it, so we're going to get a photo of the cake. If you can get the photo with you two boys on it as well, that'll be even better. You know, because that just adds to it, that'll be good. And uh, a little report, just a little bit, and then we'll let everybody know what's happening. And so if you don't take the e-news, please, please make sure you get it, because it just keeps us in touch. Now tonight... I think I'm going to share something with you so simple and yet so profound that if, Christian, if, Phil, you will do really what this is about tonight, this is going to grow and plant churches and Ilkeston is going to grow and plant more churches. In fact, there is no greater key There is nothing greater, and I've been involved in ministry. I've been a Christian for over 40 years. I got saved when I was about one or two, or somewhere around about that age. Oh, yeah, you laugh at that one. You didn't say too much of an amen when I was doing the other, did you? But uh, I've been a Christian for well over 40 years, uh, nearer 50 years. And there is not a greater, greater key to growth, and to blessing, and to knowing God's goodness than what I'll share with you really tonight. That's pretty good, isn't it, on this anniversary day? Nothing greater. But because it's anniversary day, and because I, you know, like to do things a little bit different, I thought that what we would do is have two or three minutes of sitting back and watching a DVD. This DVD, I saw it actually probably last year, early last year, it never ceases to affect me. It never ceases to make an impression upon me. And I've had the opportunity of showing this DVD probably, I don't know, perhaps 10 or a dozen times now. And I think that you deserve to see it. It's quite remarkable. Let's lower the lights. Let's put up the sound and watch this DVD. was indeed to the bone unjust. In fact, when these eyes looked again at this man's mountain of sin, he sadly found it to be true. He was guilty of all these too. Adultery, anorexia, assault and battery, betrayal, blackmail, bulimia and bigotry, drunkenness, disrespect, deceit, Dishonesty, gossip, slander, hate, and treachery, greed, jealousy, envy, gluttony, indifference, irreverence, malice and vulgarity, manslaughter, murder, rape, and sodomy, prostitution, perversion, incest, impurity. When he looked at him, he saw 
what his eyes had never seen, he found in just one single man, one with whom sin walked hand in hand. For when this father looked at him, his son, completely cloaked in sin, for the first time, he turned his face. For the first time, he turned away. That's all he could do. For when he looked at him, he looked at you. And he looked at me, too. When he looked at him, he saw his one and only son. He saw the holy, blameless one. But the son he loved had now become sin. Yours, mine, the sin of all mankind. For when God looked at him, he saw what his eyes had never seen. His son, as sin, would pay the price. The sinners.
Bow your heads in a word of prayer, please. It is said, Lord, that the people preach Christ and him crucified. And I ask that the message of the cross and the message of the Christ of the cross will be so powerful in this place that no matter how we've come in, we will go back changed because we will have met with him who died on the cross and rose triumphant. Bless the thoughts I pray that I bring and may Jesus Christ be preached in this place both tonight and always. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen. Amen. Let me read to you the scriptures. It says there were also two other people. They were criminals that were put to death with Christ. When they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him. The criminals, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Jesus said, Father, please forgive them. for They know not what they do. They divided his garments and they cast lots and the people stood looking on, but even the rulers with them sneered, saying that he saved others. Well, let him save himself if he is the Christ, the chosen of God. Goes on, it says, the soldiers mocked him also, coming and offering him sour wine and saying, if you are the king of the Jews, then save yourself. And an inscription also was written over him in letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. And then, one of the criminals who were hanging there, blasphemed him, saying, If thou art the Christ, you save yourself and save us. But the other, answering, rebuked him and said, Do you not even fear God, seeing that you are under the same condemnation? We indeed justly, for we have received our due reward for the deeds that we have done, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? Jesus said to him, assuredly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. Could that just be put down there for a second? I, um, I used to have a, a bit of a hobby, thank you so much, that my wife actually did better than what I did, and it was uh, having a huge fish tank with tropical fish in. Anybody got that kind of a hobby? I don't know. I mean, these were beautiful fish. I had angel fish. I had all kinds of fish. But the one thing I didn't like about keeping the fish was cleaning the tank out. It's a little bit like having a nice house, isn't it? The worst thing is when your wife says you've got to do painting. I was supposed to have been on holiday the last couple of weeks. Rubbish. It's glad to get back to work. Get the paintbrush out and paint. What's that all about when you're supposed to be on holiday? Well, we had this lovely tank and everything like that, but it needed cleaning out. But Andrean came across this unique way of cleaning out the fish tank. And you'll know what it is, some of you. What it is, you get this kind of, you can buy it from any aquarium, you get a kind of a, 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 a sponge, and attached to this sponge is a magnet. And what you do, you put the sponge one side, and then you've got a sponge the other side with a magnet on. And when you do it from the outside, it cleans the inside. It's a remarkable little gadget. In fact, I have to be totally honest, 
and tell you that I think that magnets are pretty amazing things. I mean, this isn't a very strong one. I got it from a toy shop, but it's still pretty good. It will make all of the paper clips jump up. Why? Because a magnet is known for its ability to attract and to pull certain things to itself. It also, of course, has the opposite effect. If you put uh, two of the poles that are the same, then it pushes them away. But it's this attraction side, this ability to cling and pull, that interests me this evening. You say, John, well, what's that got to do with the little DVD that you showed us? What's that got to do with the Bible reading that you had of Christ being crucified? I'll tell you what. It's got a tremendous connection because tonight I want you to remember predominantly one thought. That Jesus Christ is the magnet of all men. We talk about a magnetic personality. You know, the kind of person that walks into a room and they fill it. My son's a little bit like that, if I'm totally honest. He's got a lot of his mother's ways. And um, if the place is buzzing and there's a party going on, my son kind of walks in and, and, and suddenly he's kind of, not the center of attraction exactly, but he, he's got something magnetic about his personality. And yet, there has never been a man or a woman that down through the channels of history has had such a magnetic personality and an ability to pull people to themselves as the Lord Jesus Christ. From the north and from the south, from the east and from the west. There are people tonight who can testify that there's been a pull about the Lord Jesus that has attracted them to him. Even in this place tonight, there are dozens and dozens of you that can say that Jesus Christ, there's something about him that he pulled me to him and I've been in love with him ever since. For me, it was on the 25th of March, 1966, when something happened. The pull, the magnetism, the working of the Holy Spirit, and the love of Almighty God that drew me to the place of recognizing that Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross of Calvary, he was dying there for me. And as that wonderful, wonderful picture showed us, with all the things that we do wrong, the Son was able to take our sin and cleanse us so that we can stand righteous before him. Now, if I was to say to you, 107, because we're talking about dates, Christian, 5, 9, 10, I'm going to go for 107. What does that conjure up for you? What, 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 what do you think of when we talk about 107? Nobody's going to give it a guess. Ladies, hold on to your seats. 107 days left to Christmas. It'll soon be here. So you could think that this first part is really a Christmas message because I want you to come with me to the cradle. To the cradle because there's a magnetism about the cradle where Jesus was placed. You see, in that whole story of the incarnation... God becoming flesh and dwelling amongst us. And this Christmas and every Christmas, you hear the stories of characters that were drawn and pulled to the cradle where the Christ lay. 
We, we, we think if we were to have time, we could read Matthew chapter 2 and the first couple of verses. And there we are, in, uh, we are told about wise men. How many were there? We don't know. We talk about the three wise men, but actually it doesn't say there were three. Here the probability is that there was at least three because they brought gifts that we do know of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. In fact, we talk about the three kings, we three kings of Oriental, but they were actually Magi, they were astronomers, they understood what was happening because they could read the things in the heavenlies. And one thing is certain we know about these wise men is that there was a pull about Christ's kingship that they recognized and they wanted to go and present their gifts to him. The Bible says that they therefore then went and they worshipped him. I'll just throw this in as an added little thing, that they made their way there to worship the king, but the Bible says, but they went back home a different way. You see, anybody that ever encounters the Lord Jesus Christ will go back home a different way. They'll go back changed. There'll be something that will have happened to them that will cause them to go back differently. And if they were wise, and they certainly were, it was because they wanted to worship him. Now just hold that for a minute, will you please? Because they weren't the only ones that were drawn by the magnetic pull of the Christ of the cradle. Uh, You see, you turn over to Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, and the first couple of verses there, in in, rather 15 to 17, and you're not learning about the Magi, you're learning about some people that are like you and me. They didn't wear the robes of the wise. They didn't probably have a great deal of money. They weren't kind of famous or popular. They were just ordinary people. The Bible says they were shepherds watching their sheep. When suddenly, into the ordinary lives, on an ordinary day, the extraordinary happened. I've got some great news for us tonight. That you might just be an ordinary person, and tonight might be a pretty ordinary day, but the extraordinary can happen. If anybody will feel the pull to be drawn, what to? To go to the Christ of the cradle. Bible says that they went, and they went, and they saw the baby there. There was a pull about it, but what happened to them? They went back, and it says that they began to tell others about what the Christ had done. You see, God not only wants to meet with us today in order to cause us to worship him and to go back different because we've met with the Christ that can take our sins, but he also wants us to go then and tell others the good news of what this man, Christ, can do. Wise men, shepherds, rich or poor, it doesn't matter. There's something about the Christ. We preach Christ and him crucified. I'm not preaching the assemblies of God. I'm not preaching arena church. I'm not preaching any person but Christ and him crucified. For that is the key. That is the secret. That's what will make the difference. If I be lifted up, then I will draw all men to myself, Jesus says. And so we visit the cradle. And we find there is a magnetic pull to him. But not only the magnetism of his cradle, 
What about the magnetism of his character? You see, there was never a man like Jesus. There was no man that could ever be like him. It seems to me that time after time after time as you read the scriptures, people made their way, the multitudes and the individuals, but they made their way to Jesus Christ. Not even just because of what he said or what he could do, although that was sometimes the reason. But I think there was such a magnetism, such a pull and attraction about this man called Jesus Whether it was the rich or whether it was the poor, the beggars or the rulers, the sinful or the good living, the blind or the deaf or the dumb or the lame, whether it was the diseased or the paralyzed, those in high society, those in low-class families, whether it was the priests or the publicans, the harlots or the thieves, Jesus was someone that they could find a pull towards. They knew that he loved them no matter what and no matter who. Some sought Jesus by day. Some sought him by night. Some sought him for themselves. And some sought him on behalf of other people. Although time most certainly doesn't allow me to go into the very many types and occasions when people were drawn to this man called Jesus, this one thing I want to tell you, The Bible declares that when they came, the multitudes or the individuals, it says, none of them. Say, none of them. Come on, give us a lead here. I said, say, none of them. None of them who obeyed his voice found him to be a disappointment. And Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever the same. For when people are drawn to him, he never disappoints them. I don't care who you are. I don't care the color of your skin. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how young or how old you are. I want to tell you Christ is a man of love. And he is someone in whom there is no disappointment. Do you need healing tonight? I want to tell you Jesus is the healer. Do you want saving tonight? I want to tell you Jesus is the savior. Do you want to be restored and have some joy put back in your life? Then he's the restorer to you tonight. He is to everyone. No one's disappointed when they make their way to the Christ of the cross. Oh dear, it's absolutely true that that cradle was enough to pull people to The character of the Lord through his life was enough. But probably the greatest matter of all was the magnetism of what we read. The magnetism of his cross. All over Britain today, and on the Sunday all over the world, in cathedrals and in chapels, in church buildings, in homes... Where people were gathering together in his home, many, many people would take a little bit of bread, a little drop of wine. It's called communion. And they would take it in remembrance of him, the Lord Jesus Christ. The piece of bread, nothing magical about it, but it helps us just as that's shown to be an aid in us talking about magnetism. Uh, The bread speaks to us of Christ's body that was broken on our behalf. When we drink the Ribena or the wine or the juice, it's a symbol, it's a type, it's a picture to us 
of his blood outpoured on our behalf. And where did all that happen? It wasn't at the cradle. It wasn't through his lifetime as the multitudes gathered. But it was what I read earlier to you from the passage of Scripture that tells us there was a day when the crowd began to shout, release to us Barabbas. And as far as Jesus Christ is concerned, crucify him. So we go to the cross. And we see this one who had such a magnetism about him. Again, the crowds gather there. Some would have spat. Others would have jeered. Some would have mocked. Others would have turned away. But at the crucifixion, at the cross, there was a pull against this man. And so the cry goes up, come on then, Jesus. Show yourself to be who you said. You, you have saved others. You've done great things for others. You've healed others. Now, come down from the cross and do it. But tonight, that's not the message. For the truth is, he bowed his head. And he died. I guess that there would have been jeering that would have gone up. Who would follow this man now? I guess because I, I personally believe in angels, but I also believe in demons. I believe in a good God and I believe in a very bad devil. And I can imagine the devil kind of, if it were possible, to be speaking to his legions of demons and they would have jeered. <laughs> He's dead. No one will follow him now. And who would? I know people, they follow after Buddha. <laughs> but he is dead. I know there are those that put people on pedestals, but... What use is really a, a dead saviour? And now we're at the cross. And he's dead. The message is over. We go home disappointed. Oh, no. They take his body down and they put him in a tomb. A stone is rolled in front of the tomb. And just to be make absolutely certain, because he has made certain claims, this man they call the Christ, who's got such a magnetism, let's put some guards outside to make sure that nobody steals his body or that, you know, something doesn't happen amiss. But it didn't. Day one, he's dead. Day two, he's dead. But you have to understand something. That after day two, there comes a day three. And in your life, you might be just one day away from God breaking in. In such a powerful manner. For the message that I preach of Jesus is this. He is not here. Are you ready? Are you ready to become Ghanaian? Those of you that are Christians, oh, Babaka Sabra, forgive me, see ya. Come with me, come with me to the tomb. He is not here. For he 
is risen. Hallelujah. We serve a risen Savior. Up from the grave he arose. Oh, a mighty victor o'er his foes. And so, even at the cross, as the crowds gathered, yes, he was there, but he didn't remain there. He has risen from the dead, and behold, he is alive, and he's alive forevermore. You see, the one that I preach, Jesus Christ, is not someone dead in whom we can just put on some mantelpiece or, or upon a wall. He is a living Savior. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. And he lives within the heart of all those that will make their way to him. Oh, the magnetism of his cradle. The magnetism of his character. The magnetism of his cross. But is that the end of the story? Oh, my friends, it's not. This is good news tonight. You see, Jesus, he said, hey, listen, I'm going to go but I'm going to come back again. And I want to say that there's going to be a meeting, a meeting in the air, in the sweet, sweet, we would say in the old days, by and by. For there is a magnetism about his coming again. For one day, Christ will burst through the clouds. And those of us that are alive, if we be alive at that time, and we've trusted in him, we will be caught up to meet him in the air and be forever with the Lord. But after that, it's too late for those that have not believed on him, who have not felt the pull towards him, who have not given their lives to him. But that day, oh man, that day, those that are dead will be raised and will be forever with the Lord. I, I, I think, They'll be black and white and, if it's possible, to have yellow. I think it is. The Chinese will be there. Oh, and, and the green. I don't know whether any Martians will be there. But I tell you this, every person that's ever felt the pull to be drawn to him will be at that great gathering and we will cast our crowns before him. And eternity will begin with the singing, the song of those that have been drawn to this wonderful man, Christ Jesus. Oh, I tell you how churches grow. It's by keeping the main thing, the main thing. It's by recognizing that central to everything that we seek to do is the magnetism of Christ. It ain't about me. It ain't about you. It's all about him. And tonight, because I know him to be no disappointment, because I know him to be a savior, and because I know him to be a healer, and because I know him to be a baptizer in the Holy Spirit, and because I know him to be the person that has died and paid the price for everything, therefore anything that can happen will happen to those who say, John, tonight I again want to be drawn to him. Some of you, you're not where you ought to be and you know it. No condemnation. Come again to the Christ of the cross. Those of you that have never given your lives to the Lord, then tonight's the night. You say, hey, John, pray for me. I want to be certain that at that coming, when Christ comes again, I'll be there. I just want every person, every person in this room to go out knowing that it's all about Jesus and their relationship with him and knowing that they are bound for heaven.
You want healing? Well, Christ is here. What is it you need? I don't know. But I do know this, that whether it's the cradle or the character, the cross, or it's coming again, there's something so dynamically magnetic about the person of Jesus. Tonight, my prayer is this, that you will be drawn to him afresh. That you'll be wise enough to make your way to become a worshipper of him. You'll go from here different. And you'll go being prepared to witness and tell others about him. Bow your heads in a word of prayer, please. Tonight it's very, very...